This podcast you're listening to right now is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash bonfiresidechat. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. This is Jason Killingsworth. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat, an undead favorite. And this week we're going to be talking about World 1-1 and World 1-2 of Demon's Souls. As you heard, we're joined by Jason Killingsworth, who is the features editor for Edge Magazine. Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah. So uh, uh, we understand there's something that you want to announce, something you want to uh, tell us about before we get started here. Yeah, so um, a couple Australian gaming journalists, uh, Brendan Kyog and Dan Golding, have started a, a new publishing company called Press Select, and they're going to be publishing book-length game criticism and finding authors who are obsessed with a certain game and, and want to write a lot of pages about that game. <laughs> and so I am going to uh, be writing a book about Dark Souls. Which I I thought uh, would be nice to uh, just to mention on a on a Souls podcast and have that be um, I've, I'm cited on the website as being an author um, that's <laughs> going to be working with those guys, but the game hasn't been announced yet. Uh, so I I thought this would be yeah. a cool place to just kind of make that public. Absolutely, yeah. very neat. Um, I know I'm looking forward to it, and it's the first. Uh, there have been kind of book length criticisms. Uh, of games before this is the first dark souls related one that i've seen so that's definitely really cool yeah I yeah will. i mean i think if any if any game can support that sort of that's intense of a staring contest <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. it's probably dark souls and obviously you guys have devoted many many hours to scrutinizing it um on the bonfire side. Now, now, now I feel really bad because we're transcribing the entire podcast and publishing that as a book. (laughs) So, yeah. Psych. I knew knew this was a terrible mistake. (laughs) Having on here, I I sense there was something off about you guys. And now I know. I I have a confession, Cole. Every time I said I've been transcribing the podcast, I've been lying. I'm way too lazy. And my keyboard sounds like this. So, so I can't do it. I'm you, sorry. You're, you, you're in your safe, Jason. You've ruined me, Gary. <laughs> My legacy. <laughs> no. Yeah. Now we're coming for you, Jason. No. Yeah. no. I'm really, I'm really excited about it. And yeah. uh, Demon Souls is. I'm tr- actually one of the sort of interesting things about writing the book is going to be figuring it out how much you can really talk about Dark Souls without talking about Demon Souls, and um, because the games are are married together in so many ways in terms of the design and and obviously there's so many references um you know between the two games and little echoes that sort of pop up in dark souls uh, so yeah so we'll see kind of how much demon souls ends up sort of featuring in the in the book how extensively it features in it but yeah they uh, they definitely set each other off in a way they, they do yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you you unlike like the two of us played it play them in release order that's correct. So you, you had experience with Demon Souls first. I did, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know I didn't know 
word one about about the lore of the game. Uh, when I was playing it, it was just it was it was just it was all a mystery. I was just fighting my way out of the center of this enigma um, and just trying not to die, basically. Um, yeah. And then now, of course, later, and I think that's probably most people's experience of the game is that is that they're just trying to stay alive, and then later on they realize that there's this whole constellation of story points constantly orbiting around them as as they're moving through the world that they didn't even realize were there. Yeah, yeah, and th- there are a lot of changes between the two games to make that more uh, explicit in Dark Souls. So when you you know when you say you didn't know word one about the the demon souls lord like i feel like there's probably three words on it you know so you 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 know you're almost one third the way there yeah <laughs> like i i've definitely been kind of scouring like i feel like i've got a good handle on the areas we're doing doing now for sure um but yeah i think that's going to continually be a theme um so you know, previously uh you know we just we completed the tutorial area and we kind of poked our heads around the nexus but we hadn't really gotten to the meat of the game um, at this point, there's just one archstone active, and we're going to head there to check out Boletarian Palace. Yes. <clears throat> so, yeah, why don't we just kind of, like, jump right in? You know, you get here, you have this awesome view of this huge facade, you know, of the outside wall. And this whole area is pretty much you trying to make it through the gatehouse, right? Well, there's a cutscene in the beginning first. Oh, yeah, true. With the dragons. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, sets up. I, I, so, like, when I was kind of, like, in the thick of it, I didn't realize how much the dragons were playing a part in this, but like they figure into all of them except one three, right? All of the I, all of the world one areas, right? Which yeah. one has the sort of dragon carcass? Like, I mean, oh yeah, that's one four. Uh, one, uh, yeah, so. yeah. So one of the dragons gets gets killed there, right? Yeah. Um, or or a separate unrelated dragon. Yeah, it's killed there, but the, only one of them makes it past one uh, one one. The third the dragon is killed by the second gunman. Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> well, and I think this is the first dragon in a video game because there have been so many dragon cutscenes in video games. I think this is the first one where there are a hundred corpses stuffed in, in its mouth. Like yeah. it's like a little like a little kid who's like. See, stuffing stuffing too much oh, yeah, food. Pizza, pizza contest. Yeah, so that's a real clear signal. And I like how uh, that's you know the first thing you see, but that is not the boss of the area. That's not, you know, they're an environmental hazard, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Um, even though you can defeat them, um, I've, never, I've never killed either of them. Um, hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're very tough. Um, yeah. But you're talking about this being, you know, trying to get through this gatehouse. Like the one thing that that links this this world that it, you know really impressed me is that the the way that uh, the Bulletarian Palace is is designed is for defense, you know, right. against uh, against an, an invading army or a neighboring nation, and uh, that plays against you the entire time you're playing. You know, so this is explicitly you know built to keep you out. Well, I, I feel like it's it's such a beautiful statement of purpose for the whole Souls series. Like the very first thing you see is is just a wall <laughs> that's about <laughs> you know a, a hundred you know a hundred feet high that that just doesn't want you to to broach it uh, you know to enter and and I feel like you know, so much has been said about how forbidding you know the difficulty of these these games is and and the way that it kind of fends off newcomers and and to have you know the very opening of the game 
you know, begin with just a big wall blocking you from, you know, where you're trying to go, I think is, is just such a beautiful, almost brute force way of communicating what the whole game is about. Mm-hmm. It might as well just be a dude like who is standing at the gate, pointing in the opposite direction silently. Just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> away. Yeah. 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 And there's four there's... towards Skylanders. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go you want dragons. Go check out those Skylanders. Yes. And and there's four locked um you know, four closed gates, you know, sort mm-hmm. of on sort of dead ahead, and then when you're up get up to that there's two on either side and then one behind you and they're all closed. It's it, at first it just looks like there's nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Um I think it, the mind games kind of start in the, in the very first you know minutes. Of yeah, the, and okay. it's incredibly satisfying that throughout the course of this, I, I think that this is the most shortcut heavy, um, you know, level in the game. Um, and you know, as you're going, you are methodically opening each of those gates, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, d- depending, some of them you're opening, and then the one behind you, which is, opens up with world tendency. Um, which should we talk since that's geographically here? Should we talk yeah, about yeah. the execution area now, even though you're very unlikely to have unlocked it here chronologically? Yeah, because I think it's I think that it's actually really cool that you think this is you know just that leads outward, but it's actually into a really gross area. Well, I, I saw it from up above. Oh, you did? And yeah, you can see it from um, there's like a little drop you do to get the crossbow, mm-hmm. like a little hidden landing. And I and I saw the execution area and wanted to visit it. And you can see items down there mm-hmm. from there. So I knew you could get there, but I but I had no idea no idea how. Um, so essentially, like you know, immediately to your left, you're kind of going up this ramp, and there are uh, hollows behind these. Um, I don't know what you would call those kind of defensive. The shields that they put up, those wooden kind of block blockades. It's like sandbags, but wood. The wood bags. Yeah. Wood yeah, bags. Wood, yeah, those bags of wood. Yeah. Um, they, they got big stacks of mulch from Lowe's, and they're <laughs> they're hiding out. Um, but to the left, there's a little area that goes down to the uh, the execution grounds, and uh, this is the first tenancy event you know that you you can find in the game. Um, you go down here, and it's also the first time you're going to run into Black Phantom enemies. Mm-hmm. They get summoned in. So there, there are tons of people who have died down here. There are lots of uh, corpses with unknown soldier souls. And uh, these groups of black phantom dreglings uh, that, that get summoned that hit like a, a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is, you know, the earliest you're going to find the difference between, you know, what, what it means when you see somebody glowing red and black. And uh, they, they are, you know, really, really tough and, and always attacking a group. Um, but kind of, uh, you know, the, the big feature here is uh, Executioner Meralda, um, who is up near the top, kind of by, like, a, a corpse pit, right? Yeah. Like, like what, what you would call that area. Like, there's a ladder to go down there, but I don't know why you would ever, ever go down there. It drains into it, a moat or something? That actually could explain the dragon's mouth being full of, almost like a seagull scavenging on, on a dumpster, you know, full of trash. It's like, if you had a big pile of corpses and you, and you wanted... You know, to just get a a, a nice uh, meal, then you know, it could it could have just swooped down there, kind of just taken a big bite out of that mound of uh, of flesh, and then landed on the bridge. You know. Yeah, before before he started, because the the bridge, the next uh, one two, is explicitly a feeding ground mm-hmm. for them. You know, they say so. This this could be you know initially where they where they kind of you know fill up and then go kind of bask in the sun for a while, a little later on the level, and then head on to one two to to start harrying the soldiers there. 
Yeah. Well, well, since that dragon sort of has to fly on an infinite loop uh, along that bridge <laughs> later on, he's probably just, yeah. needs he's a lot so, of energy to, yeah. uh, to keep going. <laughs> he's so tired. Um, uh, Executioner Meralda is, you know, a, a relatively, you know, she she is an interesting character in that. Um, so what I what I get from her is that uh, she is loyal to the king. Um, I think that she knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. With, with King Alant, that he's been corrupted. But, you know, I I got this impression that she's been kind of waiting for this to happen. Yeah. You know, like she's taking glee in this. Um, she, uh, you know, she's got a real kind of like, I don't, she, she's only talked to me once. Hmm. Like, did, when, if you, when you guys have encountered, she, when I came back in New Game, or New Game uh, Plus, is when she, she actually spoke to me. I'd never heard the dialogue before. No, I've never, I've never encountered the dialogue either. She just kind of cackles and says, "You know, you are a fool to to go against the king. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not that uh, not that noteworthy." But that's that's the impression that I get is that she was, you know, she's so loyal and also, you know, the the the, the way the weather has changed kind of matches her matches her sadism, and and yeah. in that in that way, she actually is a lot like Smo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's an interesting parallel as well. The execution, yeah. the two executioners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and would, she, would, you, she, would you rather have your head chopped off or flattened with a hammer, I think, <laughs> is, the, is the choice you'd be looking at between the two of them. Huh. Okay, so hammer, because if it's chopped off, the head still stays alive for a couple of seconds. But <laughs> if, if it's the hammer, you get eaten. Oh. oh. Afterwards, yeah, your bones yeah. get ground up and spiced into, into stew by smoke. Turned into bread. I, I, w- I, would take, I would take the axe, because if your head gets smashed with a hammer, when they put it up on the spike on the city gate, you look like you have this really, <laughs> really yeah. fat, like, really fat, round face. Yeah, I don't want to look like an idiot. <laughs> no. I'm imagining, like, a Hugh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit style, like, <laughs> flattening in a steamroller. Like, I, I might also take the axe, too, because I'm watching the video of it right now, just to refresh my memory. It's a cool-looking axe. Yeah, and... and hardest shit to get yeah um because so this, this way will open up in pure white or pure black world tendency which we talked a little bit about last episode um the difference being is that if you pure white you run into the actual executioner Meralda, and there's her human form and she drops her armor and a ring where the the mechanics of it i don't totally understand um, it says it increases the power of direct hits yeah uh, so there's glancing blows and then there's direct blows which is gotcha. something that was not carried over into dark souls and that was a, that was all about proximity to the enemy. If you had the okay. the right position, you could just land a direct hit. I, I've never used it because it lowers. It said it you know increases the damage on direct hits and lowers indirect hits. So I didn't trust myself you know to to consistently get direct hits. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's a tough fight here. And then if you go in in Black World Tendency, you get her Black Phantom form, which is probably you know. So I just just before we started recording, started doing some black tendency stuff. Um, the two of them that I fought in this world, which are the only two I fought were the two toughest NPC battles I fought in any of the souls games. Mm-hmm. Like she is very hard. And the only way I was, I managed to kill her was through kind of dumb luck is my new game plus character at the meat cleaver, which has an insane knockback. And I actually knocked her into the execution pit, <laughs> which, you know, what a nice action movie moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, uh, I wish I could come up with some kind of like execution related, well, well, that's that's like slapping someone with their own hand because if you sort of execute an executioner by kicking them into yeah. their own ex- execution pit, it's kind well, of why are you executioning yourself? Why are you executioning yourself? Um, <laughs> it's like the end of the Cable Guy where Jim Carrey gets killed by dropping onto the satellite. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, <laughs> cable guy reference, you guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, what year were you born? The, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that makes sense for for cable guy reference. Um, the, yeah. Uh, the um, but yeah, so before, yeah, really tough. After Jim Carrey, I think is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's so there's BC before Carrey, and, and yeah. 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 Um, and then, kind of like lore-wise, the the big thing is here is at the uh, the bottom of this kind of corpse pit. She has um, you find the brushwood armor, uh, which is kind of known to be used by the knights of King Alant. Um, I I feel like what I think this is. So I was thinking about whether this was was Valorfax or not. Um, it's tricky though because you find a ring that we know belongs to the Twin Fangs later by that that area where the dragons are sunblast are sun sunblasting 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 extreme. Um, yeah, well, you need to get tan fast. <laughs> yeah. um, so so I my thought was, and this is just. 100% pure speculation is that, you know, Valorfax, who was sent out to tell tell the world about the, the plight of the fog, came back. He made it to the dragons and died. Um, and then Excuse Meralda, you know, the dragons are not attacking her because they're both, you know, shit heels. <laughs> and uh, she took the took the armor, took his corpse away from that to hide it because her, his brother is still around. Right. So this was this was a hiding place was kind of what I took from it. I don't. I don't have that much to support that, other than the fact that there, it justifies a contradiction in two, you know, items that should be unique to somebody being in two separate places. The only other explanation that I could make up would be like kind of just bullshit, you know, time is timey wimey kind of thing. Just kind time of time like, is not as timey wimey though. I know there's, there's no time. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, oh, so like, like I said, bullshit. <laughs> It'd just yeah. be like, well, you know, there's probably like multiple versions of him or body form, spirit form. But uh, that doesn't adhere to the rules as much as yours does. So yeah. I don't think like that's one of the things I like about trying to puzzle out this lore is that there isn't just the the hand wave, right? You know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain that time is just timey, and mm-hmm. there's no whimey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was I was reading something last night, and it was talking about how the more you ex- the more lore elements you give players, the more opportunities you have for those little contradictions to, to seep mm. in. And they're, they're actually, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but there are some really striking kind of contradictions even sort of in this area with, with Bjorn and Valorfax. Um, yeah, with the yeah, Stravas. Yeah, with yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so the, the more sort of ethereal it, it remains, you know, the, the less chance you have of yeah. just sort of stepping on your own toe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there, there's a big contradiction that comes out in the, uh, um, in the monumentals explanation cutscene that actually resolves to my mind, one of the big things that we talked about last um, episode, which is, you know, is Bulletaria the world or is Bulletaria one of the, one of the kingdoms? It's one of the kingdoms. I just hadn't played to that point yet, but uh, you know, they say it's the world or the land of Bulletaria, um, you know, in Mm -hmm. in one of those. So they're not afraid to contradict themselves and it's up to us to kind of sort out what, you know, what's meaningful and what's not. Yep. Yep. I think it's interesting that you, both of you, had a much different experience of this this level. I mean, this was the level that I just crushed my face against for hours. Um, I mean, you came to this as experienced seasoned Souls players, like having played Dark Souls multiple times, and and um, and so you had that experience coming into it. Whereas mm-hmm. this was my first time ever 
playing a Souls game, sort of figuring out which you know button was was mapped to you know, <laughs> light attack and heavy attack, and I just got absolutely humiliated by the draglings on this first um, you know, this stretch of bridge leading up to to the cal- to the castle. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. yeah I spent I spent hours on on just the stretch you know sort of leading up up inside the wall. Now, if if you could see our play clock in the lower undead <laughs> or the undead uh, undead berg, yeah, you know we we had a very similar experience. Yeah, just I, uh, I think it took me seven hours to get past the Taurus demon, like all told, like that like, that's what my play clock was at there. So huh. yeah, you just that, that that explains the difference in the experience. It's yeah, interesting I mean, I, too. Or go ahead. I I, um, I think I toyed with with the idea of quitting like at a certain point <laughs> on on this on this stage, and I. I just the guy who'd recommended the game to me, um, sort of another journalist, Michael Abbott. Um, and I just, I just said, um, hmm. I just feel like I'm raking these hours into like a like a pile of leaves, like raking them into a pile and just light, lighting them on fire. <laughs> you know, it just was there was no sense of accomplishment, and then it just gradually, finally started to, to coalesce. Um, what but, yeah. what what the- what kind of character were you playing as at the time? Because that's that's a real. I feel like you, even a little bit more so in Dark Souls, that is kind of a difficulty selector. Yeah, I mean, I always start. I always play as a warrior on my first playthrough because um, I think like that's the most intimate experience you can have in an action game because mm-hmm. you're you know you're always going to be up close. You're going to you, you have to to learn everybody's every enemy's move set really well. You can't. You can't just stand, you know, at a distance and, and spam them with magic. So, uh, yeah. So I, as a rule, I'll always play as a warrior on my first uh, first playthrough, and then and then just get the enjoyment of uh, rolling around and, and <laughs> firing soul arrows. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that could definitely uh, make me you know, make a big difference. One thing that's interesting is when you transition from from one Souls game to another. You know, when I picked up Demon Souls after having played Dark Souls, seeking that same experience, you do have that. Um, you know, your skills remain intact since the combat engine is more or less the the same, um, and you lose some of that crushing difficulty. But what you get is knowing the kind of things that Dark Souls did. You, I still got a thrill of unpredictability. To yeah. it, so I still really wanted to know, you know, what know what was around the corner. Like I was really expecting some real kind of fuck you tricks to happen, and that definitely happens. Um, but the actual just like a one on one combat, you know, scenario, I feel very confident in, and that's something that you know I think you only get once. Um, and it was it's interesting. I'm glad that we were able to have, and we have other people who are coming on later in the season who play Demon Souls first as well, so we can get that kind of perspective. Even though Cole and I did not get it, so. Yeah, I mean, the, this area, too, is just, it's such a gray area. Like, it's the most sullen place in, in all the video games. I, like, just, I mean, the grass the grass is like a gray shade of green. You know, everything is like... Every, just, and everything else is a gray shade of gray. So. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, like, none more, none more gray. Yeah, it's, it's. Kind, of, kind of speaking of... Um, you know, unpredictable kind of dick move things. So, like, if you get to the top of this, you know, you only have one way to go. Um, you head left, and then kind of on, on your way to get into the uh, the castle proper, um, or like the guardhouse proper, rather. Um, there's this big glowing pit, which is where the <laughs> where Execution Ralda sticks her dead bodies. Right. I think that's supposed to be you know that's the same pit, mm-hmm. and those are souls. 
uh, kind of wafting up. Yeah, yeah. I just get the sense that so many people have been thrown into this into this corpse pit that is just lousy with these souls that are trying to just hover around. Like if yeah, souls lo- gave off a stench, like yeah. that's the fume, the fume, <laughs> yeah. the vapor. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that smells like souls in here. The uh, uh, <laughs> And and people, I I definitely when I came, you know, walked by somebody had left a unscrupulous, you know, if you take a step forward, you know, treasure or whatever the the trolling message yeah. you can do in the Demon Souls message engine, and uh, and walked into it, thinking that you know <laughs> there might be something uh, something neat or I might float down or. This this time, there's going to be something really good at the bottom. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the definition of insanity. Do you you want to hear something just appallingly embarrassing? Yes. I jumped into it today. Because I forgot. I I forgot. I just kind of like, oh, okay. So just in the interest of seeing everything so I can talk about it, I jumped in and was like, brr. You die so quick, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Like the kill box is like five foot below, yeah. Yeah. So what I like to imagine is going to happen is like in a, a Disney cartoon where the princess, like when she's transforming from like, you know, washing the scrubbing the floors into the princess in the full gown and she kind of twirls around and all these little sparkly things kind of transform. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what I like to imagine happens when you jump into that thing. All those things just kind of pick you up and you twirl in the air and, and it sets you down on the ground and you're wearing some. Are you ready for the ball? Yeah. <laughs> the big bulletarian court ball. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you guys why do you why do you think it's called a palace? Because I mean, this is a castle. Like this is such a minor, like, yeah, insignificant point. But um, why is it called a palace when it it's not what I think of as a palace? Do you think this is just some kind of translation? Sort of the, the the end of four four where you go to fight King Alant yeah. is a little bit more palatial. Yeah. Um, so I think that that that's, it is a castle surrounding a palace is the closest thing I could come up with. Like yeah. that kind of ornate elevator in the area where you fight a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, which I, that's not really a. I mean, we we said we don't really have a spoiler policy. We're not going to talk about the end end game, but yeah, there's that. We can't really talk about Bulletaria Palace without they, talking they, about Lant. They they set up a lot as the guy you're going after rec- yeah. you know, from the very beginning too. So yeah. Yeah. But that area is a little bit more palatial. So that's the way I read it, is that you're heading towards the, the Boletarian Palace. And this mm-hmm. is, these are all obstacles defending this kind of kingpin of the, of, of the, the world situation. Yeah. And 1-3 has, like, living. It, like, it looks habitable, whereas 1-1 one, one, and 1-2 one, are just, you know, military fortifications. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what a palace is. <laughs> like like what well, like what di- like what distinguishes that from a keep or a castle or a, uh, an ossuary? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. The, uh, about ten thousand orphans is what separates it from an ossuary. I know. I was just so, gonna say, yeah. <laughs> but it's the com- comedy third option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so ten thousand maniacs. The orphan, <laughs> orphan edition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't talk about the weather. Okay. Um. <laughs> um a deep deep cut um <laughs> the uh so so you're kind of you know you're kind of making your way uh through this castle and you know that defensibility keeps coming back again and again like there are ambushes set up for you um like multiple choke points so the way this like level is designed to keep out people it's also trying to keep you out um lots of you know kind of you go into a darkened room and there are people hiding in the dark ready yeah. to stab you can we talk about how creepy these dreglings look or whatever they are the mask that they're wearing 
Yeah, like the wooden, like a. It looks like a little bit like the 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 uh, Majora, not Majora's Mask, um, in uh, Ocarina of Time. Like yeah, the like the, mask. Like, like yeah, like the wood Deku mask. Yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. I mean, you, they have three or four kind of pieces of wood that that look kind of banded together, just covering their eyes. I I just the kind of mental image I have is of just the mo- the worst atrocities you could imagine are happening b- like it, before their eyes like mm-hmm. you know as mm-hmm. this place is going going to seed and and they just doing anything to just try to block out you know what they're seeing like even just sort of banding sort of pieces of wood to their face to oh, just yeah. to blind themselves um to what they're seeing and and to the trauma around them like See- I read it the opposite way. Like I read it as these are people who have had their souls, you know, sucked out and they're in the process of degrading themselves. And so they wanted to, you know, affix something to their faces so that like they wouldn't read as being like, oh yeah, they're, you know, they're pretty far gone, you know, as being mm. hollow or whatever the equivalent of hollow is here. Yeah. Well, well like there's different, there's, there's different yeah. types, but there's no, I mean, their movesets are identical. It's interesting. Usually when, oh, this is the enemy with the, with the wood on his face, you know, he's going he's gonna to be a bit harder. He's going to, you know, whereas the one sort of without that would maybe be a slightly easier enemy. That I just, I like even that idea of having that variation, but just for purely kind of aesthetic value. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always got the, you know, regardless, which I think those are both, you know, cool ideas for, for the explanation. And then the guys with the wood on their face, I always, these are, I think these are villagers. Like, so these are just, this is what happens to regular people when they get there. And you can tell kind of from their fighting style and the fact that they have kind of uh, done this to their face. So I think they're kind of the easy prey, you know, for the demons, Um, you know, and that could either terrorize them into, you know, kind of insanity and and not wanting to see things, or um, you have made them so, uh, so far gone as to you know start affecting themselves um, because they're they're definitely different than the you know the regular soldiers that you end up fighting who my my impression was that these were still people who are just loyal to King Alant you know maybe corrupt the same way that Meralda is mm-hmm. but that they're not you know they're not they have they still have their souls yeah yeah I mean they definitely don't have any there's no zombification uh, apparent yeah. They've yeah. got a piece of wood in their back pocket in case. Don't get me wrong, but they, they haven't they have whipped it out. If they get unlucky tonight, you know. They're- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, buddy, you're getting unlucky tonight. See this? Uh- <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but uh, you're working your way through kind of like the uh, the, the uh, inner portion of these walls, uh, you know, through the, the, the scaffolding and everything. Um, and they have set up these traps. This is where uh, um, you get the good old boulder trap. I think it's one of the only ones in the game, actually. Yeah, I don't think that happens again. There's some other traps in a five one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not uh, not like boulder style traps mm-hmm. like this. Well, there, well, there's there's two on this level. The second one is obviously a, a pile of boulders. But oh yeah, the one that you use. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you have kind of two in, in fairly quick succession. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously that one you can you can turn the tables, and I wonder if they're placed in such close proximity. Uh, just for the you know the savvy player who realizes oh, I can you know I can this one I I can actually sort of unleash myself by yeah these hurt yeah <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah I can I can, yeah. I can sort of chop the you know chop the grating on this one and send these sort of rolling over some other people mm-hmm. whereas I was the one who got flattened earlier <laughs> who knows maybe mm-hmm. yeah so a few a few boulders 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you're going, you know, you're, you're, you're climbing up past this kind of boulder trap and you start running into, you know, enemies are throwing fire at you um, from really defensible positions. If you, if you did not choose a, a ranged class, you know, you kind of have to get through um, all towards making your way towards the top. And it's a pretty lengthy or feels like a very lengthy stretch without a shortcut, like the first shortcuts coming up. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've definitely on this in this little interior wall area, you know, got hit in the back with a firebomb stunlocked and killed by by a torch wielding dreadling like multiple times and had to make this run back up um it's the first time even on my first playthrough i was fairly confident that i ended up having to do the you know learn the dark souls lesson of like patience on on replays you know trying to run back and get my souls and and getting murdered and weirdly in new game plus you can't spend souls as soon as you start you have to beat this level before you can spend them so you can end up with hundreds of thousands of souls from the end game and then you still have to get through this area and beat, <laughs> you know, beat uh, Phalanx before you can do anything with them, um, which makes this, uh, you know, extra harrowing there. Yeah. Um, and the, like the caution thing is actually really important, but, you know, because this is laid out almost like in switchbacks, uh, people can get up behind you really easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to the top of this wall and uh, you see these awesome ballistas and catapults and things like that. Um, I guess the ballista. Yeah, they, they'd be ballistas. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, being pedantic about medieval weaponry. Um, and uh, you get up here, and you, you find um, a, a blue-eye knight and a red-eye knight, uh, which are kind of the counterparts to the black knights and dark souls. Yeah, and I remember this being a, a, a moment for me, like a real comparative moment, where I felt like the black knights and dark souls um, really telegraphed to me that they are going to be serious business um, from a distance. Whereas uh, these knights, you know, since they have the roughly the same build, like they look a little bit tougher, but it's not quite, they're not, uh, you know, drawn with that differently than the, the regular NPCs. Um, when I walked to the red eye knight and he one shotted me, um, <laughs> you know, uh, outside of uh, old, old King Doran, um, I was, you know, pretty irritated because I didn't feel like there was anything to indicate that I shouldn't have fought him. Mm-hmm. Did you did you did you engage him before the the blue knight when you when you first played? Yeah, the blue yeah. Oh, okay. I went I went right um, after I left and and uh, you know not for any particular reason, just the way I happened to go. And then later I've seen messages, you know, beginners should try this area later. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, that makes sense. But up until that point, I remember being very like irritated with that. Um, probably just because I if I would have went left, I would have got that shortcut, and then not uh you know not been that big a deal, but. Um, that's one thing that I get a little frustrated with. Like it wouldn't make any sense for these guys to be like nine feet tall and, <laughs> uh, and still have them just be regular, regular knights. And their eyes do glow, which, you know, I get it. I understand. But the, uh, <laughs> I, I remember it being very frustrating to me the first time I encountered it. It's, you do have that. You do have that one blue eyed knight in the tutorial stage. Um, if I recall hmm. correctly. Yeah. So and he's you, a pushover. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's true. I mean, so you've, you at least know what he, you know, what he's going to do and it's basically just a lot of blocking and trying to teach you to two-hand um your weapon to guard break but um, yeah. yeah if you, if you two-hand one, that redhead yeah he's using a spear and a shield so he can attack while blocking which that you haven't run into that very much at this point i think you run into one spear man right on the way to him actually um which is you know but he and he's also just his he just hits harder yeah, and they have that beautiful, that really long kind of runway sort of leading <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, to him, which I, I just love how they designed that because 
seeing him start that jog towards you yeah it is just yeah it's it's perfect because there's so much time for the intensity to to build as he as he just tr- closes that distance yeah in, in, between you it's fantastic yeah. i'll give you a head start i'll count to 10 <laughs> yeah start running now pretty much yeah. uh something you know that i i feel like they learned a little bit of a lesson uh with these guys and you know transforming them into the you know into the dark knights or black knights and uh, in in Dark Souls, in that in Dark Souls they have a really awesome like lore reason for being there, and that's not something that was a priority in this game. You know, kind of giving mm-hmm. each you know each enemy uh, you know kind of a reason for being what they are. You know, in this you're fighting a lot yeah. of what are apparently you know just real humans, um, and and here. So I kind of found myself trying to do mental gymnastics to figure out why are your eyes glowing? Why are you breathing mm-hmm. like Darth Vader? Why are you attacking me on sight? Stuff like that. And then it really just kind of comes back to video game. I, I think of them as, as demons the same way that the, the fat officials are demons. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like th- those things are, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's in, in the game description that the, those guys are actually demons and i think of them because they're not they're not soul starved you know because of their fighting style mm-hmm. and they're not regular people because they're so much tougher i just thought of these as another type of demon okay so hmm. like a minor demon a demon did it yeah a demon <laughs> did it. yeah the uh so you've got in the notes that um you're unable to get into the mausoleum um at, until the end of the game that's actually not not the case really um I thought you yeah, you could, key. yeah you can get that um he just has to drop it. So, I mean, you, you have to be pretty monstrous to murder Ostrava, <laughs> but, uh, but you can do it. And rather than go, there's not that much to talk about it. Can we briefly talk about rather than going back here after we do one four? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Like they, there's not too much to old King, uh, Duran. Um, he's really neat from a lore perspective though. Like he is like a legendary leader, um, in Boletaria and, uh, he, you know, he's known, I think it's like the great hero or the old hero. No, it's <laughs> not the old hero. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> It's the uh, it's like how you sometimes know more than one person named John. Like, oh, do you mean do you, do you mean uh, old hero that lives over by the uh, the cliffs, or old hero that we like? Um, the uh, but he he's kind of you know this figure of mythology to them, and uh, you know you you go into the the mausoleum, and he's you know staying there, staring at you with his sword drawn, and uh, you do a, you do a fight with him. He says he needs to test you before he can give you one of the legendary weapons of the, of the family, mm-hmm. and uh, he gives you the soul brand. Um, sword. If you're able to get him down to 25% uh, damage, which is not too tough to do, um, really hard to do it right away here. But you know, I've seen it done online. Um, and then if you want to murder him and get his clothes, um, as, as is your motivation for killing most NPCs in these games, <laughs> like, hey man, I want your jacket. Um, yeah, it's like it, the, me- the medieval version of killing someone for their Air Jordans or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh no, uh, your Air Alance. That, that's almost um, exactly what I was going to say. So, yeah. um, but then he becomes like I can't. I couldn't beat him. Like mm-hmm. he does so much damage through your shield. Like he does so much magic damage. Yeah. With with his weapon, it's incredible. Does his, um, does his difficulty just just spike like after you move past that that point? He uh, so when he starts two hand, he starts two handing his weapon, um, he becomes more aggressive. So I should say that like just for full disclosure, I said this off mic, but I was doing this in New Game Plus because I was trying to do tendency stuff and things I hadn't done before with a character I had the entire world unlocked. So we had that New Game Plus boost, which is which is a big deal to to kind of you know ameliorate that. Though I had end game equipment and had a really strong character build. So he still was able to, to two shot me through my shield. Um, 
So yeah, he does he does significantly more damage. And before you fight him, before he is you know trying to kill you when he's just testing you, um, that's actually not too difficult for me. So it becomes a really really tough fight mm-hmm. um, in order to and like again in order to get his clothes um, is the only real advantage for that. Yeah, I love the way that he's designed. Um, yeah, he's got a real good look. Yeah, he's he's foreshadowed during those title screen too, those inter, those loading screens. Yeah, and uh, and saw him, and I was just I the, my first play through the game, I never ran into him. I had no idea, you know, who he was. Like I got that key and forgot to go check it out or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always a dangling thread. Like who is this old King Doran? Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, is he is he an alternate boss? Is he something like that? And then eventually, I figured it out. And I think with his mask, he he doesn't even like, he isn't. Im- apparently human like he has this he looks like some kind of ancient totem or um mm-hmm. i just or some stone beast i, I, I don't know <laughs> like a, go- a golem of some sort yeah like, like because a, like, of that incredible mask yeah I, I always read him as being a stone beast the sense that i got was that it was like a death mask um like hmm. this this is his hmm. like ceremonial funeral garb in that like you know we want to bury him as you know he was remembered by the by the people so that's why his, you know, face yeah. is, you know, he's got that armor that is, a, or the, you know, helmet that's his face and his crown, right? Also, when we were talking about that, that red-eyed knight, you know, that knight being just like a really awesome, just kind of a vista opening up to you and being very dramatic. Like opening up the mausoleum looks great, yeah. too. Like that, that's a really cool, like, ugh, <laughs> you know, kind of shudder moment of, uh, you know, I'm in for some shit. Um, yeah. But you, you do have to, you do, you don't have to sequence break. You do have to be a bad person to get this this early in the game, however, <laughs> by killing one of the saddest uh, characters mm-hmm. in this, um, who we're going to run into very soon. Yeah. Should we talk about Demon Brandt, or do we want to get to that when we, you know, Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we can, well, yeah, Demon Brandt is, so there's two um, legendary souls, yeah. um, there are swords, that uh, are for the kingdom, um, one of which, they say, like, one of which uh, strengthens man against demons and one against one kills man mm-hmm. one is good against man and uh, this is the one that is good against demons um it's stronger the better your alignment is mm-hmm. the uh, closer to pure white character tendency you are um and uh yeah you get the uh you get the demon version the evil version uh at the end of the game yeah and then they can be fused to form something called the northern regalia yeah. um which i've always heard regalia i always th- thought that was clothing yeah uh, that's what that word meant Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that's pretty much the equivalent of uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget his name Artorius his, his sword the Artorius greatsword in that it requires such absurd stats right mm, yeah, yeah yeah it's and it's just it's really game breaking like it's a new game plus weapon you mm-hmm. can only get it in new game plus yeah. and you only need it in new game plus right so yeah so I just wanted to uh, we we mentioned the sword oh um, yeah yeah to, for yeah. for completeness that makes sense yeah. But uh, you can proceed. So the the, the blue eye knight is kind of guarding one of those mist doors or fog gates, and you can proceed, you know, past the walls for the first time and into actually kind of what appears to be like military training grounds, almost. Before before you do that, you want to actually head past them and, and oh, unlock yeah. the shortcut. Yeah, yeah, and Fine. and get a like a, a ridiculous item to get this early. Like the game, mm-hmm. this game is cruel, but it gives you some real serious concessions, uh, not least of which is that very early on you find this, uh, an item called the cling ring. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, you're probably going to have locked your finger for, for a large <laughs> portion of the game. Yeah. What that does is it, uh, 
instead of being at 50% health when you're in spirit form, you're at uh, 75% health, which goes a long way towards kind of ameliorating that uh, uh, psychic angst that uh, a lot of people feel when they are, uh, you know, yeah. when they're encountering... When they're attacked by Mewtwo? Yes, when they're attacked <laughs> like by Mewtwo. No, no, just... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, no, just kind of like, see, wait a minute, I'm at half health this entire time? No! Okay, no, this know. makes just, it a little bit better. <laughs> it just sounded like a, a Pokemon attack. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> it, 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 it does seem like the precursor to, to the ring in, in Dark Souls that, that it gives you that boost, but obviously break, shatters when you when you take it off. Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder if they... if. It was a balancing move. They, it was that was the same ring that they were designing, but then, but they sort of looked back and realized that it was overpowered, and and probably knew it was when they were designing it. But then said, okay, well, we need to add this new element to it where you can't take it off. Yeah, um, and without, and without hide it behind a lot of the game. Yeah, 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 exactly. As opposed to like having it sitting on top of the first horse corpse you come yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the horse corpses that are spread throughout. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, oh, man. Um, the uh, yeah. the uh, so you know you, you go down you you want that shortcut you also at this point can um, kind of knocking down some some hanging corpses find a jade ornament um, which comes into play a little bit later yeah um, when we're in the nexus um, but if you if you go you, you kind of follow the the critical path down you see this military training ground um, there's two ways to go here uh, one of which is an NPC setting a, a trap for you where he has all these flaming jars. <laughs> Or yeah. barrels around him, and he's willing to blow everything up in order to do it. If you, it's better though, however, to roll off the stairs and head straight down because you'll see an MP, a non-aggressive NPC mm-hmm. um, down there. And uh, unless you, you know, this is the the first one that you've seen um, because you can't uh, have gone to Doran yet. Right. And uh, yeah, this this character, and also speaking of game-breaking rings, yeah. <laughs> like they give you both of them in the space of like three minutes. Um, yeah. So we get the the thief ring, which uh, makes it enemies take longer to aggro you. Mm-hmm. Um, like reduces their detection range. I think. Yeah. Um, it's downright essential for later portions of the game. Yeah, and it, it plays into one of those major gameplay differences between Dark Souls and Demon Souls is that in Demon Souls, stealth is an option. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can there are areas that you can straight up sneak through, which is really cool um, if you have the right kind of equipment set. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, let's talk about Estrava because this is going to be a through line through the entire time we're talking about Boletaria. Yeah. So Estrava, um, you know, you get the sense that he's on this quest. You're always rescuing him, so he's kind of like a cross between uh, Solaire and uh, Sigmire. Um, mm. I, I, I feel really bad that I keep on comparing stuff to Dark Souls. It's, it's, uh, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. Disclaimer: We're just going to keep doing it. But yeah, in, <laughs> but but in each area, you have to kind of like rescue him from these dire fates. So you find him here, and he's you know surrounded by dreglings. You know, he kind of like got himself backed into a corner. Um, and if you help him out, he kind of continues his march onward. The uh, I love um, so like one of the things I get the impression of him as being kind of a pampered royal. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he, he knows a lot about the theory of how to fight. Like, he was probably trained his entire life, but knows very little about the practicality of it. Mm-hmm. That's why you're always rescuing him. The The confidence with which he uh, delivers his dialogue here is hilarious. Like, if you're able to find it, Cole, um, cut it in. But if if not, um, you know, he's just like, that was a bold jump indeed. Like, you know, <laughs> um, like, he's just very, like, <laughs> acute, like, declarative and almost accusatory in, in his, his voice acting. <laughs> Well, the more ornate the armor, the more kind of you're just the sort of showpiece on the horse, kind of give yeah. morale. And, it, it, and he does that. Like his shield, at least, is is really splendorous and um, 
you could picture him just kind of sitting up there on the horse, you know, like if he doesn't fall off, he's accomplished his, <laughs> his objective for the battle. Like, he was riding yeah. one of those poor guys out in the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the I almost just said the foyer. That's how you call the beginning of a castle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's foyer, actually. Yeah, uh, foyer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the castles have foyers. Yeah. 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 The, uh, uh, and and the, yeah, you can Im- imagine him pulling this shield down from like a display <laughs> rack, yes. you know. Um, and it's also it mechanically works too because you can get that shield later, and it's ill suited to fight these characters. So that's mm-hmm. a, that's really interesting. Like his equipment, which is all based on defending against magic, um, you know. And the, he's you know, there's no magic at this point up to the game that you're defending against. So mm-hmm. he he's ill equipped for this. And uh, you kind of rescue him, you know. Again, a very, you know, similar like similar to that Siegmeier situation with the, the Chaos Eaters yeah. um, in Las Isleth. The uh, and if you do, uh, he gives you a brass telescope, mm-hmm. the traditional saving gift of Volataria. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, and continues it's like the gold on. watch, the gold yeah. watch after yeah. working fifteen yeah. years. Here's your yeah. brass telescope. The brass telescope anniversary. Um, it's been one minute since you rescued me. The, uh, <laughs> So and then he continues on his mission. I don't know how much of his mission he'll talk about here, um, but essentially he's going to go see if the rumors are true and that his father has been corrupted. Do we know um, that it's his father yet? Um, I, I I don't know what. Like I said, I don't know what is revealed here. Yeah, um, we, he is his father. I don't know if we know it yet. Yeah, he reveals it maybe in a later line of dialogue. Yeah. So because well, even his name is like he is going by a false name. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Just yeah. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. so like after you rescue him here, he just um yep, he does he does reveal it. Yeah, you you go back to the Nexus if you don't go right to one two. And uh um he's there and he says, I refuse to believe that this is what Father wished for our great land. Mm-hmm. So he pretty much says, you know, my father yeah. may or may not have wished for something, is also responsible for this, Alan is responsible, ergo. Right, right. Yeah. It's kind of like when we talk about him being, you know, ill-equipped and kind of pampered. Like you almost get maybe he's like been studying abroad, mm, yeah. you know, at this point. Like he's 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 coming back and and uh, you know has just kind of been on this this whirlwind tour, um, and he's coming back to find this. Yeah, you know, because that that comes that happens as well. Like that's you know what what I think happened to Valorfax as well, and mm-hmm. then uh, uh, Br also comes back to find. You know, I, or I don't know. He didn't. He didn't come back. No, he was just here and captured. But the uh, yeah, so I, I kind of get that impression. He's a he's a really interesting character. Um, I like how inept he is in comparison <laughs> to how you know uh, how kind of imposing, if not his shield, his sword is. Yeah, his sword. Oh. Can you get his sword? Yeah, you get okay. it um, when you in in one four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Same time you get the shield. By that point, I was in such a dash to get it done that I. I don't think I used it. Well, it happens right yeah. before the end game too, so yeah. you don't have very much chance to use it if you'd like to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, you rescue him here. So there's there, there's a lot of like paranoia that I have around rescuing Ostrava, um, you know, specifically here and in one two, in that he just starts wandering or wandering around and fighting stuff, and I don't want him <laughs> to die. Like yeah. <laughs> like I don't want it to turn into like a again you know Sigmar kind of thing where just this is this incredibly delicate through line that you have to maintain in order for this quest to pay off. And just for him to die unceremoniously to some guard dogs doesn't seem yeah. like the way it should end. So I, I always try and make sure that the path is clear. Um, he, he has so, a very limited patrol route. Yeah, like if you follow him, he just wants he doesn't want to keep going. <laughs> he just wants to walk to that like little the little merchant stalls or what have you mm-hmm. um, that are up there, and then just keep walking back and forth in an L. 
yeah. um, is, is his, you know, the entirety of his patrol route. But that gets really true in 1-3. Yeah. Like, 1-3, it is very difficult to keep him alive. Um, so... It's worth saying that he will drop that mausoleum key even if he's if he's killed by uh, another enemy in the game. Like you, can oh still, yeah, you can still get the key off. Yeah. His he, he also, also, since I killed him to get the mausoleum key here, um, it's hilarious how long it takes NPCs to aggro. <laughs> like I, I stabbed him in the back and kicked him down to the dreglings. Like no, you deal with it. And then <laughs> went back there while he was fighting dreglings and kept stabbing him in the back. And he he stays. You know, amicable through about five backstabs, <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, one through four, like that could have been an accident." I, I know but, people like this. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the live journal community. Yes, that's, <laughs> I was stabbed in the back by this yeah. person, this yeah. person, and this person. <laughs> you guys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mood betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so you kind of continue through this training uh, training area, you know, moving on up. Um, again, there's just, like, defensible positions. Archers kind of covering you as you're going to be fighting guys who are ambushing you, you know, jumping off the wall. You run into your first merchant, which was a real, like, godsend for me at this yeah. point. Like, because you can't spend, you can't level up yet. They haven't introduced that mechanic. Um, this is the only thing you can spend on souls. And with my first uh, playthrough, like, I did a royal with my first playthrough and did not like his his uh, fencing weapon mm-hmm. for that. Like I was having a hard time penetrating any of the guys who had a shield, anything like that. So I wanted another weapon and that was really cool to have the opportunity, even though the selection is fairly limited here. Yeah. He ends up being fairly useful. Also, you know, he speaks to the, to the depravity. So, like he just comes out and says, you know, do you want to see some of my wares? Most of which are stolen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I was, I was watching a, a name bro run of this level and he was, he pounced on the, Mostly, mostly uh, stolen. It's like which ones of these like, are, are legitimate? Uh, where is the, that you sourced yourself, you know, through legitimate means? Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say none of it. Well, maybe maybe he gathered gathered the the herbs or whatever. Uh, that's true. He was he was plucking them out in the in the grass. Put out a corpse's eyes. So. Yeah. <laughs> And his accent is so jarring. Everything about the game is so somber until you get to this point. And then he's like, hello, I was just going to cross the street. Uh, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, I, any Scottish person listening to this podcast, it's, the death threats are going to be sort of rolling in. Um, that is not what I think Scottish people talk like, but that's that's what that dude sounds like. The, yeah. the views and accents of Jason Killingsworth do not reflect those of Bonfireside Chat or WD.TV. So. Please. I'm going to have to add another thing to the contact page, aren't I? <laughs> Just saying, hi, Bonfireside Chat, Jason. Yeah. 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 But yeah, his, his accent is like is bracing i think he says mostly for the same reason that in some states where they do executions they have multiple switches um and you know just like the people you know one of them is hooked up but the you know the other four aren't so that way there's the benefit of the doubt yeah like a firing squad with mostly blanks yeah yeah so you don't have to feel bad you know it's kind of like well i bought this one but ah that one wasn't that was the that was the legit one right that was the legit one that was the armor he crafted in his crate (laughs) lovingly (laughs) with his rags yes this, um, this was the crescent moon grass that he that he lovingly harvested himself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you've got it in the notes here. The, um, the uh, undead merchant in Dark Souls, male undead merchant, is mm-hmm. pretty clearly a, a reference to this. Yeah. So. 
So yeah. Yep. He uh, he does not take damage from enemies. Um, a soldier followed me in last time I was here, and uh, I was just trying to buy some stuff, and he hit me in the back, <laughs> and I and it hit the merchant, and the merchant started kind of screaming as if I had attacked him, uh, but I saw zeros floating above him. Yeah. So that's a difference between the two games. It looks like uh, those kind of NPCs cannot take damage from from enemies. Yeah, that's merciful too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a nice touch that he's sort of barricaded himself into this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even though so many things about dark about Demon Souls are are, are very sort of nakedly video gamey. Like, I think it's a much it feels much more video gamey than than Dark Souls to me mm-hmm. um, because of the segmentation of the archstones and having these kind of one 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 two almost yeah three style. Um, uh, but. But this was one of those moments where I thought it was nice. They kind of sort of really couched it inside the fiction and, and had mm-hmm. sort of hold hold yeah. up in there. And yeah, it it also signals keep, not keeping to, his customers out. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not the yeah. most, most effective way to run a shop. But well, like, we, we've all seen like a you know like a, a dollar store next to a check cashing place that's in a bad part of town. It's like the equivalent <laughs> of this. Um, it's another. It's also a way like what you're talking about, Jason. Also signals that you're not just supposed to attack on site. You know, this guy, like, it's a little bit unusual. Like, that, his posture um, and everything, because he is, you know, essentially one of the guys you've been fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, at the top of this tower you kind of go back to, though, you eventually get to this uh, this uh, dragon spot where you kind of go forward over this bridge or to your left towards where those dragons that you saw um, were kind of sunning themselves. Um, it should be noted that if you are in White World Tendency, they disappear, which means you can get this treasure, which, again, the, you know, Demon Souls... Uh, habit of giving you end game treasure kind of not end game but like really really strong treasure kind of right out the bat yeah um because the the shield here is the one that i tend to use uh for the entire game and then you also get the equivalent of havel's ring yeah um, the equip burden ring yeah can the, you suicide can you suicide run that treasure um i've i don't think i've ever had the the nerve to be able to summon the nerve <laughs> yeah. to try it but portions not, of it you can you you can actually get everything you can't suicide run. You have to kind of bait the dragons out. It's really difficult, and I've never managed to do it. Yeah. Um, the one, the tail one, you had to wait for him to do a specific move that has like a really long kind of recharge. And the dragon one, you have to bait him into breathing fire on the bridge, and you can run back and just barely get the equipment under him before he comes back and fries you. Okay. Yeah, but it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that uh, that purple flame shield is it's an especially good get. You know, if you're going to you know to Stonefang after this as well, uh, you know most of the bosses can be rendered mm, ineffectual by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's got that insane fire resistance. There's also a fire resistant ring here as well. Yeah, uh, which is kind of a nice little bit of the guy who had that got. How did these yep. people die? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like all of the fire resistant uh, gear. Is right here, and that, <laughs> but that that ring of it, uh, great strength. That's not Herculean strength. Um, yeah. Definitely belonged to Valorfax. Mm-hmm. So he was here at some point, and and probably died here, which kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and you, I don't think you can kill these guys by hitting them with arrows from here. I don't think that the the distances end up working out. The times you can kill the dragons are like when they're swooping, which uh, makes them exercises in patience. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely can't kill the blue one. You just uh, you just shoo him off, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah, he takes off. Yeah, the the best way to deal with the red one is actually to kill him in one two. Yeah, yeah. 
um, which is still it's still a pain to mm-hmm. do, um, unless you have some real serious kind of heavy hitting spells. Mm-hmm. Um, crossing that bridge, the dragon will kind of run through and and kind of do like a flame run yeah. on you, and you kind of have to time it. Uh, there. This is kind of a practice for what they're going to do at the end of 1-2, which is a real uh, dick move, <laughs> where you have to sprint across an area and find the other end of it heavily defended. Mm-hmm. Um, which, this is not nearly as bad. Like, the two crossbow men at the end of this are not nearly as bad as what they do in 1-2. Right. Um, but, yeah. And then you, then, so then you, uh, you, you know, you pull the, uh, pull the lever and you get the cutscene that signals that we're entering the end of the level. Love that cutscene. Yep. Like you think, like, oh man, that big gate at the beginning—it's finally open. Oh, what's that arrow? Yep. Yeah. That giant spear. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the serration on it just seems like kind of a bit excessive. You cruel. Know, I, cruel. I, yeah. I'd say without the serration, you, you you're still dead. And <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the serration plays into so it's it's a version of the weapon you can kind of make from his soul. And uh, the serration is designed to uh, destroy equipment, like yeah. the weapon that you can get the scraping spear. Um, you know, so it's um, it's meant to not only kill somebody but you know fuck up their armor. Yeah. Um, that so and it, so this whole way that you've been going, if you've been being really diligent about getting items and everything like that. Again, when I talk about you know giving you these rings, the kind of way the game will kind of throw you some bones. You've been finding um, a lot of turpentine and kind of black fire bombs mm-hmm. and the like, uh, which is great because you are heading into this boss fight. Uh, very shortly. Yeah, where melee weapons are almost entirely useless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was going to mention one thing about the about the sort of castle setting even before we headed into the boss. Like, there's a note I jotted down while I was playing through it again this, this past week. And, and that was that it's so easy to get lost in kind of a castle environment because you don't have really obvious landmarks like and everything's in the same color and and it just looks mm. very very homogenous so I, I feel like it's easier to to get kind of turned around and um it's almost like so being lost in the woods like where you're just surrounded by trees and you're just surrounded by stone basically so like in eco uh, mm. oh I- yeah eco as most people say um you know it's it can be so maddening like trying to sort of place yourself and figure out exactly where you are in the in the environment um and so i found i found that kind of devilish like with with this with this particular area it starves you for kind of obvious reference points to navigate through and that speaks to something that i mentioned earlier which is you're doubling back on yourself in a lot of regards especially if you are working around inside the walls um, after mm-hmm. you open up the, the the shortcuts, it ends up being a little bit better. But uh, when you're making your way through, it's very disorienting. And until you come out, you know, for for air um, and kind of like see where you're at in relation to kind of this central mountain that's at the center of this, uh, for some reason, yeah, you're right. It is disorienting. Yep, yep, yep. The uh, I, I found that to be I got way more kind of lost and disoriented in uh, Stonefang. Yeah. Than this, but I found that to be true of a lot of areas in Demon Souls where there's less discretion in the kind of uh, color and object palette in an individual world, where I I didn't have as many kind of reference points. So I guess it happened to me a lot in, um, you know, in in five one as well. Um, but yeah, that that is definitely true here, especially if you're trying to backtrack to something. So like when I try to come back in White World Tendency and find where those dragons are, I sometimes have a hard time like getting back to the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I just opened a shortcut that more or less leads from there. 
um, yeah, I remember I, the most efficient path. Yeah, I wonder if I, I think it's, it would probably be harder to sort of from memory try to draw that draw that map. I feel like Dark Souls, like I could sort of if I really focus, I could redraw like most of the areas in, in pretty fine point detail. But but with this one, I, I feel like things would just be become so MC Escher like um, so quickly that. Um, and I, I just wonder if it's designed that way on purpose, just to try to turn your head around. Well, Dark Souls, is, is, most of their locales are kind of designed like theme parks a little bit. You know, it's the it's the Disney role where you're always able to look up and see uh, the castle at the center, right? Mm-hmm. There's, a, yeah. there, there's, a, there's a greater context for where you're moving around, and you can always orient based on either a distinctive landmark that you can see or noticing where you are in relation to something before. Um, Eco does this actually really well um, in, in, in that regard, uh, You know, even if the color palette is more restricted in that than it is in Dark Souls. Um, yeah. But uh, for Demon Souls, because it's kind of you know these linear corridors that you're going to, and you know especially stage to stage and world to world, there's a little continuity. I think that that kind of leads into the the, the areas being kind of labyrinthine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it feels very maze like yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the feelings. Yeah. Let's so, let's talk about this guy. Yeah. Well, it's a her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that that's something that I love about the bosses in Boletaria. Um, you know, there's some great bosses elsewhere, but kind of how that pays off in one four is tremendous. So, mm-hmm. um, is it spoilers or is it out of order to say that as we're going through, we're actually fighting Alon's like top guard, like you know, top tier knights, right? Yeah, right, and right, she right, she right. was the archer, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. And she's surrounded by these, you know, I call them goos, but they're but they're uh, called hoplites in the lore, and uh, you know, on, on the on the wiki here, which are you know these shield men. You know, uh, I, I can see them being hit by uh, whatever magic it is and evolving into these things. And they've got these spears, and they're gathered around this glowing core uh, that is Phalanx herself. And so, in order to actually do damage to the boss, you have to clear these, uh, you know, these hoplites off. Um, you know in order to expose her and the best way to do that you know because you don't really have access to you know any kind of magic spells and you know the shields are incredibly um, are incredibly physical uh, physically resistant uh, is to use those fire bombs so it doesn't make any sense to quarter any souls at this point you just want to go back to either um, you know the blacksmith in the nexus or the undead merchant and uh, buy as many fire bombs as possible um, I forget can you buy them? You can buy them from the Undead Merchant. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you can buy them from the Nexus. Yeah. They're they're expensive. I think they're five hundred they're five hundred souls. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they're they're pretty dear. Mm-hmm. It should it should be noted that the uh, the actual Phalanx uh, herself can't doesn't have any attacks. Like she can she cannot right. hurt you. So like she is not uh, it is entirely about this kind of defensive perimeter she set up. Um, also, and I just saw this for the first time, have you seen her like fling one of them? Uh, yeah, yeah. it's really weird. Like, I'd never seen it before just because I was probably too close in and she kind of filled up my screen. Mm-hmm. But she can toss them across the room, um, kind of making this arena really interesting because, you know, you want to fight for a little while. You can only take a couple of spear shots. So if you need to retreat and hide behind a pillar to heal or to equip, you know, some turpentine or what have you, um, she can throw guys into that corner and, you know, kill you while you're fiddling around with your inventory mm-hmm. um, pretty pretty easily. Yeah. 
in addition to the to the um, hoplites that are kind of attached to her glowing core, like some kind of Castlevania monster, um, there are free floating ones that are going to come kind of come after you, and those do respawn. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought it was interesting that the boss was named after this sort of protective. NES, it's that's NES game. Because <laughs> 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 yeah. the, the phalanx isn't like by killing the phalanx or just those, you know, the hoplites around around the court, they, you don't actually do any damage to the boss. And I think in most boss fights, like that would be attributed to the bottom line, I guess, in terms of the HP of the boss. But yeah. like that's just that's just. Sh- shield yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and kind of this the, the the symbiosis between archers and shields actually plays out it's you know in in the bosses that we're going to be talking about this episode you know the, the 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 archer knight being protected by the shield and then later on the shield knight being protected by archers um mm-hmm. you know kind of speaks to the way that these you know what are now demons but were once knights you know would have fought together so there's a there's a nice uh, a, ni- a nice consistency to that mm-hmm yeah, I agree. All in all, it's not a very difficult boss if you know to use fire. Right. Um, if you chose a, a sorcerer for your playthrough, like this is more or less a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, your fire spell that you start with is uh, will we'll tear this guy up. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I really like this this boss like quite a bit. Like I like the design on him a lot. Um, I like that indirect kind of attacking he does. Yeah. Um, when you beat him, you open up a, a portal back to you know an archstone back to the nexus, and you become human. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to head back to the Nexus before we can head on to the next level here. Yeah. Well, it's probably worth saying that the whole level has been kind of putting fire, and it's kind of been screaming fire at you. you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so, I mean, you've got, the, you've got all those exploding barrels, you've got people firebombing, you've got even just freestanding fires burning kind of out in, the, sort of out in front of the castle. And, mm-hmm. um, and so if you, if you don't have that fire idea planted in your head by the time you get to this boss you probably haven't been paying very close attention <laughs> yeah so yep yep yeah your fire vocabulary yeah, yeah. that's a, well, yeah, that's a that's definitely a good point oh and you and you get the uh the lead demon soul oh yeah, yeah. so yeah so you so you get a you know you get a soul um we'll talk about them as they come up for specific things but the like really 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 cool upgrade system you know for uses for boss souls in this game, this one is one of the less interesting ones or less useful mm-hmm. souls. But um, even as as soon as the boss we're going to fight in the next area, um, you start running into you know very cool kind of varied uses. Yeah. For this stuff, so this can become the scraping spear, which is really just kind of a PvP dick weapon. Yeah. Like if you want to fight people and and also ruin their equipment <laughs> um, and their day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the only reason why you'd use it. Um, can it turn into anything else? Is it like a spell, like a Nope, like you a, can you can chug you, it for like a like a minuscule amount of souls. Yeah, like, like, like fifteen hundred or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I I generally make the make the scraping spear out of it. Um, mm. And by generally, I mean in my one playthrough, just because I like spear type weapons a lot. Yeah. Um, and how, how I've never played with it. How is it? It's fine. Um, it's not as good as like a really well well upgraded uh, wing spear, but uh, mm. yeah, it, uh, it it is it is a passable spear. Um, so, so yeah, the, 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 the scraping spear is pretty cool for anybody who's playing along for the first time. Don't, don't get confounded by like, what do I do with this? Where do I go? You're actually not able to do it until you beat the boss in, uh, two, two, um, and get the, you know, get, get his soul and feed it to a specific, uh, blacksmith that you'll find later. Um, yeah. so just hold on to these for now. If you intend to use them, if you're intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had no, I had no idea. No, no 
Dark Souls primer, I was just burning the souls, and then ah, <laughs> oh no, just, yeah, that, I, like, I was I was so young then. I was I was <laughs> in the head, head, 2009. I was naive. <laughs> As I said at the beginning of this podcast, this episode of this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. And for you, our dear listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash bonfiresidechat. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash bonfiresidechat for your free audiobook. So back of the Nexus, we've got some kind of plot dump going on. Yeah. Um, you know, the maiden, the maiden in black comes back and she, you know, kind of congratulates you and says that uh, she wants you to speak to the monumental. And there's a kind of a camera like crane shot that maybe shows you around where the the monumental might be in this huge <laughs> kind of winding, you know, system of inter- interlocking helixes yeah. that is the the Nexus. Yeah, it, it shows um, you that doorway kind of leading up the stairs, kind of. You know, to let you know there is a doorway up there if you kind of go up the stairs. You, yeah. You'll find a way up. Yep. And uh, then you uh, you head up and you find the, the monumental. If Once you once you find him, it's really great. Uh, like, And somebody mentioned this in a comment, I think, in the last episode. And I think it was Murph. And I agree that the image of the one kind of monk with the candle in front of him who's, who's alive mm-hmm. amongst all these other ones who had died sitting in the position where they'd kind of kept vigil is really striking. Yeah. Um, is one of my favorite images in the game when you first kind of stumble across all of these, you know, dead people sitting cross-legged. Because mm-hmm. he looks like the golden child from that Eddie Murphy movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he totally does. <laughs> but but yeah, it is one of the weird sort of moments where, like, normally the Souls games don't force lore on you. Like it's it's all about mm-hmm. just just kind of breathing it in as you as you move around, and. This is this weird aberration where it's like not only do you have to go up there to listen to this for it to unlock the archstones and like it forces you to kind of digest this lore and you get and you watch this sort of cutscene, uh, but you also have to just kind of go up this tedious staircase to get there. So <laughs> it, it's it's kind of an odd it's kind of an odd moment in the in the context of how the Souls games do things, kind of as a as a general. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty rare. Um, and the game won't do it again for a really long time, you know, um, actually kind of give you an info dump. But it is, uh, uh, it's kind of, I guess, similar to like the, um, yeah, D- Dark Souls doesn't do anything similar to that. Like you have your opening kind of narration and then never again. This one kind of has this little bonus kind of tag, tag to it. Um, the Like kind of, so the, the monumental kind of gives you, are you, Cole, are you planning on putting in the dialogue from it? Uh, if I can find it, yes. Okay. Um, if not, though, let's we'll go ahead and address it, um, just in case. It, the one, one thing, Jason, back-end stuff for running a Dark Souls podcast is it's <laughs> much harder to find dialogue from Demon Souls online uh, oh, yeah. than it is Dark Souls. Yeah, um, it's trickier. Mm-hmm. The uh, so you know he tells you like the kind of the big takeaway from this is that uh, this has all kind of happened before. So the uh, you know long ago. A very similar thing happened where a uh, you know huge portions of the world were erased by fog, and the monumentals were formed to bind together that fabric of reality and fight against it. Um, 
they center themselves at the nexus and install these art stones all across the earth and kind of bestow them to the leaders of these various kingdoms. You get this kind of roll call of the different areas you'll be visiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, they mention themselves they're half-living sentinels, um, but she or he is the only one that, that remains. But the, the, the big thing I took, the takeaway I took from this was that this is cyclical, that this whole cycle has kind of happened before. Yeah, and that all of it is kind of caused by a lust for soul arts, right? So when mm-hmm. the monumentals initially, you know, restored order and you know vanquished uh, the the old one, you know, they, they they banned the soul arts, and so that brings a little bit more context for like, oh yeah, Alan done fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and when you have a new game plus kind of model, I think it's it's a nice little fictional wrapper to. <laughs> to kind of lend that whole cyclical idea of starting over at the beginning of the of the world again and yeah. um, so it, it could uh, could tie into that i love the idea of this fog just erasing the world mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. it just like ever since we kind of like broached the topic of the uh you know of the, of, of the dark tower relating to this like that that is such a huge thing in that series the idea of this of the like literally fog um or mist that you know represents these tears and, and degradations in the fabric of reality um anybody who has read those books and kind of knows the significance of that like it was a real eureka moment for me mm-hmm. yeah I-, I was going to ask you guys if you thought the fog gates were were tied to to that, to the sort of that creeping fog kind of set up in the some of those earlier lore dumps. If if there is any connection between the two, and uh, before they were obviously they they're, they appear in Dark Souls, which doesn't have that that fog storyline. But mm-hmm. do you think there's any connection between the fog gates and the the fog kind of more more generally? I I, I don't know. Like I, I don't really, I don't really have a a, a theory on it. Um, they only, they only act as something other than just you know a, a passable kind of membrane. Only once at the end of you know the next area we're going to talk about, where they become you know it becomes this kind of literal wall, um, you know, the same as the orange fog gates in uh, in Dark Souls. But I don't like it makes sense, you know, that there would not be two types of magic fog in this world. But I, I, I can't do the make the connection yeah. to where the yeah you know, the fog of the world is separating these areas in kind of discrete zones like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean it's, it seems like it seems like there should be. It's for a, a smarter man than I to <laughs> draw or a woman to draw the line between between those two things but yeah. just seed it out there for for mm-hmm. the curious. It's it's something that comes up every once in a while in the comments. Um, you know, when, when people come in, I've heard enough disparate theories that uh, I just kind of know that I, I, I don't know if it's not, not that it's not worth the time, but just kind of like, I've never seen one that satisfied me enough to make me consider it to be anything more than a gameplay consideration. Yeah. 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 Um, it should be noted that at this point, um, so there's a couple things you can do kind of housekeeping wise, the Nexus, um, one, you can level up now by touching the demon inside, uh, the maiden in black. And, uh, you know, it, it level up structure, you know, every level costs progressively more. Um, you should be able to level up a few times, though. Um, mm-hmm. Similar, you know, and just on an advice tip, similar to Dark Souls, you know, initially maybe level up towards equipment that you want to use. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, vitality and endurance are never a waste of time. Right. So. Yeah. And then I, 
if you uh, exhaust Stockpile Thomas's dialogue, um, you find out that the brooch that you found on that corpse that was hanging from the rafters outside of uh, the, the kind of gate, the gate there, uh, actually belonged to his daughter, mm-hmm. which is real fucked up. Little that better. like in, in the you know Demon Star of Volteria, they're literally stringing up little girls mm-hmm. on, uh, to hang from the kind of the sides of the walls. Um, you can you can choose to give it to them or not. Um, why you wouldn't um, <laughs> would it would entirely be like a gameplay thing. Like you thought there would be another use for it later. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not, and uh, you're just really cruel if you decide not to give him something to remember his daughter by. Yeah. Um, and he gives you a room that uh, or a ring that increases your item burden, yeah. which is really useful to take with you whenever you go in case you find some some cool armor. Yeah, it's a good utility ring. And so we've mentioned both of these rings. Did we talk about the the distinction between carry weight and equip weight? Yeah, we did. And the, yeah, and and the, the first 13, episode. Yeah, the first episode yep. of the 13 differences. So, yeah, yeah, both of those are really uh, very, very useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now we're heading to World 1-2. This is actually, you know, most of the our, the way we're treating this is going to be out of an actual playthrough order. You can do World 1-2 now just mm-hmm. fine if you're doing a traditional playthrough. That's not that big a deal. Um, that's how I played it my first time. Me too. Um, and uh, it's not it's not too tough. So it starts off, um, and you you talk to oh yeah he said it later. I was gonna talk about that Strava dialogue, but he talks mm-hmm. about it soon. Yeah. Um, so each stage starts where the last one ended. You go back to the archstone that teleported you back, mm-hmm. and uh, except there's a, a gate that's open, and you head in. You're kind of in like a uh, you've got it here as a stagecoach room, which is more or less looks correct, and it's kind of like a nice little holdover from the last boss fight. <laughs> there are those hoplite things are kind of crawling around in the dark. Yeah. Um, really diabolically placed. Um, really hard to see. So you can be picking up treasure from one, and there's another one just outside the, your field of vision. Yeah. Right. To chuck a spirit to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, they've got kind of these overlapping circles of spear danger area. Mm-hmm. Y- yeah. Um, if you head over to the left there, you can find Ostrava, who has uh, gotten himself into another pickle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like the Laurel and Hardy, like, just like, wow, like, um, and yeah, he, he, I don't even know how he got himself in there. Like, he was just kind of like, does he not know his way home? <laughs> He's just like walking down that hallway and just it happened to get all lousy with dreadlings, dreadlings, like while he was taking a nap or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you essentially have to make your way halfway across this bridge and loop back to kind of clear out the path for him. Yeah. As, as what he's asking you. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of most importantly, he tells you to be careful when you do this because the bridge has become a feeding ground for, for dragons. And that's the entirety of the stage is this kind yeah. of like, this, it's a real linear path. It's a bridge. There are areas above and below. But you are just trying to make your way across this bridge that is lousy with dragons and, and soldiers. Lousy with the dragon. Yeah, lousy dragon. <laughs> yes, singular. <laughs> Did you guys farm the hoplites in that area for, to upgrade your weapons? Because like, I I remember spending a lot of time just running around and and hacking them up mm-hmm. and going back to the archstone and and trying to when I was you know beating my head against the game and trying to get some kind of advantage. Um, I guess that would be sort of the equivalent of the slug farming. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, I did so a, a little bit when I was close. Like, I think I was after just getting the natural ones that I'd gotten from one one. I could upgrade my weapon to plus two, and then I was you know a couple away from plus three. Mm-hmm. So I've done that. I haven't spent tons of time doing it, but I did a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's bulletaria farming. You know, to that note, I never spent a lot of time uh, farming the hoplites. However, I would uh, whenever I ran low on grass, I would do a couple of runs around one one in order to uh, get uh, some you know some crescent moon grass, especially you know if I was kind of hitting my head up against a particularly difficult boss run. Mm. Yeah. 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 
that's just the most effective way to do it. You get a, you get a really good uh, diverse spread uh, of grasses, yeah. and uh, one two after you defeat the after you defeat the dragon, if you opt mm-hmm. to defeat the dragon, um, is a really good place to farm for those uh, for those grasses as well. Yeah, yeah. The the drop rate in this game is pretty generous for yeah. that stuff. Yeah, and you have a guaranteed uh, the half moon grass drops from that. Mm-hmm. Does it drop every time from the blue eyed knights? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So even if you hadn't talked to Ostrava, you would know that this bridge is bad news because there are charred corpses <laughs> everywhere, um, and just you know enemies setting up defensible positions in areas where they will soon get murdered by a dragon. Um, <laughs> the kind of central thing that's going on is you moving between these checkpoints where this dragon is doing passes. Um, you can survive a hit from this dragon with your shield up. Um, if you're not caught like right in the middle of it, which I found like on my uh, later when I you know, was dying against the Tower Knight and was just trying to run through as fast as I could, um, one of the runs is actually really difficult to make in one sprint. Mm-hmm. So I got hit by the fire, and you can actually kind of survive it. Um, and I, I had pretty har- heavy armor on. I was playing as a as a knight, um, but uh, yeah, it almost means certain death. And if it doesn't actually kill you, the kind of the crossbowman at the top of the next tower will. Um, so, yeah. Um, you, yeah, you get to that tower, you know, kind of timing that out, and you, you can either take the high road and continue over this dragon area, or if you want to rescue Estrava or try a different way, you can kind of go to this under, this kind of like underpath mm-hmm. underneath the bridge. Um, heading back to Estrava, you know, it's essentially just about darkness. You know, again, it's a real field of vision thing where there are enemies looming just outside your field of vision. And uh, this is a really good place if you're playing online to get warnings about what's coming up next. Because <laughs> I'll say, you know, beware, beware. Uh, like, I don't think it says dog. I don't think that word's in there. I don't know which word is in the vocabulary. But then also, you know, beware archers um, as you're heading back to Ostrava. Yeah. He is very, very heavily guarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said before, if you rescue him too early or if you haven't cleared this out, uh, he ends up getting into combat. And then, you know, you risk uh, losing him. And mm-hmm. cutting cutting his quest line off early. Yep. Yeah. Um, getting to him is difficult. The dogs are a real son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much yeah. why I exclusively stay up top. <laughs> yeah, that's it's very difficult. If you go down below, you can run into the merchant again. Uh, one of the cool things about this game is that the merchant you re- meet in the first world will follow you mm-hmm. throughout the world, and I just get the impression like you're the only sane person left to spend <laughs> spend money. <laughs> So, you know, of course he's going to follow you. Like, yeah. there's nobody else offering him souls. <laughs> so, you know, the merchants will kind of reposition in each level. Um, but that's what that's your reward for getting past the dogs and kind of doing the lower path between the, the first and uh, second guardhouse. Right. There. Yeah. But eventually you're forced to, you know, remain topside because the bottom path gets closed off. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you want to fight the dragon, this is where you can do it um, mm-hmm. from any of these towers. Um, you can use arrows or spells, uh, especially if you chose a royal and you have the circlet that regenerates your mana. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know makes it not easy because you kind of have to manually aim. Um, the delay in firing us, you know, firing off a shot means that he'll probably be out of you know lock on doesn't really work for him. It takes a long time too. Yeah, to do so. Yeah, I did it um, on my first playthrough with the lava bow, and it took about uh, maybe like twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. Re- it's not really worth doing, at least not here. No, um, like there's there's a later area where you know having that dragon. Well, I guess that's not even really true either, because at that point you're already past him. Mm-hmm. Where you can kill the one in uh, in one four, so probably not worth killing these dragons. Right. Um, it's cool that you can do it. 
I didn't actually kill the dragons. Do you get any kind of drop uh, from them, or is it just the the nuisance uh, alleviated? Primarily, it's the nuisance. However, you do get a soul item, but you can't exchange it for anything. So it's just, uh, you know, you just get the souls for killing souvenir. them. And then, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a souvenir, yeah. essentially. Or like 5,000 souls, I think. Something like that, it's worth, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got a unique name and everything. It looks mm-hmm. like it can be turned into something, but it can't. Yeah. Um, well, it's like with the Hellkite. You know, if you if you fight the Hellkite Drake, you get a soul oh, yeah. off of him, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is that true? Yeah. Okay. I'll look it up because you uh, because you're doubting me. So. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It just, yeah, it just seems. Uh, I mean, you, you definitely. That was a challenge. Just, that was a direct yeah. challenge. <laughs> Jesus, I can't say anything right. without having it be doubted. That, that's not true. Um, the uh, there's plenty of things that you say that. Um, and here, you know, regardless of whether what happens in Dark Souls, mm-hmm. in Demon Souls, you have to do this last little run-up between the uh, second and third guardhouse, which is really like, you know, a marathon. And this is what I was referencing later, where you're going to do this kind of sprint and find the end of it just with a whole bunch of fuck you in your face. Like, the uh, you know, I think it's four four archers, a blue knight, and then a blue knight shortly behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the path has, there's a wagon in the way, so you can't run past them easily. Yeah. Um, this is, this is a real, you know, fuck you moment. Like this killed me a lot of times <laughs> on my first playthrough. And what's even worse is that, uh, if you are at pure black, it's either pure black or pure white. Um, two more blue knights are added to this, uh, to this end end area. Yeah. It's pure black, yeah, pure black. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's insane. And I, I just love the, like having feeling that that dragon's fire at your back, like just cutting, <laughs> off, that, cutting off that retreat and, and just, it's just like the equivalent of like just being sort of having a big sort of crowd around you in like a, a fight, like when you're like a pre-adolescent and everyone's just kind of pushing you into the <laughs> into the person who's like swinging at you. It just it just pushes you into the into the fray and mm-hmm. I like the design of that. Yeah. So. I- or go ahead. The, 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 uh, you know, the, these games are really great at creating ten- tension when they when they reduce your ability to maneuver or get out of the way, and so when you're quite quite literally between a rock and a hot place, um, <laughs> you know, it gets really yeah. really stressful. If uh, if you're doing, you've got it in the notes here, and I discovered this on this playthrough too, is that uh, you can actually just kind of sprint through this level. You know, if you're if you're willing to YOLO it, mm-hmm. and the uh, uh, <laughs> I found at the end the best kind of strategy was I would kind of just shield up and wait. You know, the crossbowman would just plink off my shield, mm-hmm. wait for the blue knight. He'll get frustrated and smash apart the cart, mm-hmm. and then you can run past. Yeah. Um, because yeah, there's no there's no shortcut or, or switchback or anything. The level is too short for that. Um, so if you are dying, it's the tower knight. Mm-hmm. You very well could because he's you know pretty tough as we'll talk about in a moment. Um, you know, it can get frustrating to kind of meticulously make your way through this level every single time. Yeah. Um, going through the lower paths. We should talk about, it's on the notes here, but um, upstairs from where the the Tower Knight is, is your first Crystal Lizard. Oh, yeah. yeah. In the game. Um, we talked, we explained the mechanics of those last time, but um, one of the things that I note for is that you can hear this kind of tinkling when they're around. Mm-hmm. And in that area right before the fog gate is where you can first hear it and kind of is your clue to explore. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's one of the interesting things about the decision to not have music in the, I mean for the majority of the game it, it gives the opportunity for these these small sound cues to to kind of direct you or to to pull you into a particular place or mm-hmm. I, and I even I even noticed when I was fighting the 
the Blue Knight that it it drops this little sort of heartbeat thump into the into the sound mix, like wh- when you're fighting him, mm-hmm. and it's just this unconscious thing that just makes you, you know, just ratchets up that tension of like it's like if your heart isn't pounding, like here is just this little sort of sound cue to <laughs> to force it to you know, to <laughs> yeah. To unconsciously for do, but yeah. So like that little tinkling is something that if you had this big epic sort of strings, you know, sort of orchestra playing over the whole game, you'd you'd might not, you know, catch those those cues quite as readily. Yeah, yeah. Sound design. Yeah, like excellent sound design in this game. Like put put a gun against your heart and force it to beat. (laughs) The uh, at the so the um, you're so you're 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 ready to head in. And uh, and fight this, fight this enemy. This cutscene before the Tower Knight is a, is amazing, and is also like after this point, like where I run into that kind of wall at the end of the bridge, um, and not really, you know, know it. Like I felt like I had to get out of the way of these guys before I got fried, you know. So it was super mm-hmm. intense having this kind of like you know real pull the rung out from under you moment. <laughs> and uh, you get introduced to these fat officials who are. Uh, you know, real, real, just serious jerks here, <laughs> and the kind of the, that chuckle that he uh, does. Like, I had such a good like Dark Souls smile. Like at that point, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, okay. And it was it like, was a really good feeling. Like, yeah, they their smirk is the smirk of of Demon Souls. Like it yeah. just it just ah, oh, it's kind of mocking you. It, <laughs> um, yeah, and then and then they. The one thing that is sort of a bit weird is their their little effeminate kind of prancy. <laughs> yeah, they're, kind of, they're just, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It seems like you know a slightly problematic shortcut for saying there's something aberrant about you know about these these dudes. Yeah, the way that they move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I, I could see that. I I thought of it more of, of like a mischievous kind of like because since they're they're demons, I was thinking of it more of like a <laughs> you know kind of a impish. Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of, kind of reading on it. the The feeling, like when I first got here, where he, so you know, you get in, you see the Tower Knight, and he's very intimidating. And then you know, this fat official calls up all these archers to kind of take pot <laughs> shots at you. While you think, you know, at this point, you're going to have to fight them like that. Um, it reminded me of when I first saw the um, the the rafters above the painted world in Dark Souls, where I just had yeah. the like, "There's no way I can." What are you talking about? <laughs> no, yeah. no, I'm not. <laughs> you no, know, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. It was the exact same feeling, and I, I love that that feeling. Um, so, and this is this is a, a tricky boss if you didn't choose a magic class. Yeah, if you chose royal, he is he is a pushover. If not, uh, he's very likely to kill you a bunch of times. Um, yeah. So there, there, there are two ways to go about this. You can either take the high road or the low road. Uh, regardless, it is best if you go up and uh, take out these archers first because there's really no reason not to. Um, you know, it gets you away from this guy and it stops them from being, uh, you know, like pains in your side. Um, and then you can either do ranged attacks from up top and you risk him, you know, just using his spear to, you know, just say, get down from there. Or you can go down and attack his ankles and hope that he falls down. Right, right. The uh, and what it introduces a thing that's kind of neat um, that this game does that Dark Souls doesn't is that there are more um, like boss arenas have like safe zones mm-hmm. in them. So there's more like there are chances to kind of fight the bosses in waves and take you know moments to heal and kind of collect yourself and strategize in a way that I don't feel like happens in Dark Souls. I don't think there are enemy enemy any enemies that you can just kind of hang out somewhere. 
Right. Um, and I really like that about that. So when you know, I first ran up and I, I killed the archers and I got hit by one of those spears and nearly died, I just thought, you know, oh shit, and was running around like a chicken with its head cut off. And then eventually found those little uh, kind of corner posts where, mm-hmm. you know, you're protected from the spears, you're protected from the crossbowmen, and you can kind of strategize, which is really cool. Um, you know, the first time I fought him, I, I was playing a royal and you just zap him in the head with magic missiles a bunch of times. And it, it's very easy. The second time, though, when I was doing a melee playthrough, I had to really kind of figure it out because he does this kind of shield slam attack that has a huge area effect. Um, it's really, really difficult to get around and will will likely one-shot you. And that is when I noticed the steam coming out of his ankles. <laughs> so I was watching from the safe vantage point, kind of planning out my attack, which is a really cool, you know, the kind of experience I think is kind of lost in uh, in in Dark Souls. Like we talked about you know, the, the Capra demon and how the, you know, the arena is the boss fight and how it would have been cool if you would have seen the arena before you went into it. So it was about planning out your, how you're going to attack without having to have like a, you know, not mandatory, but a, a death that felt mandatory going into it. And there are some levels, um, there's a couple of other bosses too, where you're given these safe spots to kind of survey what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. I think that's really, really neat. Yeah. I, I, part of what I love about going through those fog doors is I, I, I think that kind of tactical sort of approach would be really interesting, but there's something just so harrowing about stepping through that door and having no mm-hmm. no concept of, of what's coming at you, of what what creature or what kind of set of attacks are, are going to be unleashed on you. Uh, and that's why I think the sort of guiding sort of principle of any souls boss fight is to just immediately re- kind of retreat and and kind of just run around and see what what the boss does which I- yeah I, I i don't disagree with you i guess what i mean is that um the the when you when you get in you're you're hit with that and you're hit with that here as well you know the uh, the tower knight can one shot you as soon as you walk through the door if you're pokey but once if you can get past that initial attack you can go somewhere and kind of strategize elsewhere and kind of observe whereas even in in dark souls like when that's happening like if you're running away from quaylag you know you're dodging lava fields and yeah, uh, yeah. you know things like that like there's not really that so it, this kind of i feel like does it both like you get that shock and awe and then mm-hmm. you also get to to do some planning kind of the boxers well. kind of going into their corner and like <laughs> sort of thinking about you know yeah looking yeah. looking your wounds maybe sort of thinking about what your approach is going to be in the next foray kind of out into the arena and yeah i really like i, I do really like that kind of rhythm you know that, okay here's my next you know sort of sprint down yeah here yeah, i'm gonna make another pass and with this yeah. with this guy it, it definitely ends up being like that if you're fighting him the traditional way because after you kind of bash his ankles apart until they, they both uh, kind of break down, he'll fall down for a time, which one will one-shot you. <laughs> so if you don't get out of the way, you will die, which, you know, fuck you, Dark Souls, Demon Souls. <laughs> the, uh, but if you get out of the way, you know, unless you're using a very strong weapon at this point, which you probably aren't if you came right after 1-1, you can't, it's difficult to kill him in one pass. So he'll get back up and you have to literally go and do another round of taking out his ankles. Um, yeah, this is, this was, this was a, this second playthrough and any of my melee playthroughs, this tends to be kind of a sticking point for me. Yeah. Um, I find him difficult to kill with, with melee. This is so, so both Phalanx and the tower Knight are making me really regret, uh, my decision to not use sorcery this time around. 
um, you know, just rolling with a faith caster, uh, I am realizing how much I relied on Solero as a crutch. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you use that, use that opportunity to, uh, this, this will make you grow as a person. Yes. <laughs> which is, which is why I'm self-imposing that and why I didn't yeah. immediately re-roll as a Royal. <laughs> I think that's why I do love like kind of, forcing myself to swallow hard and, and play that, that warrior playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you're going to, you're going to taste the game. I feel like sorcery is, is almost like a, a sequence break that's kind of built into the character, him or herself. Like, and yeah, you can't, uh, you know, when you have to, you know, smell the body odor of that night, you know, mm-hmm. and get up around its ankles and, it's just it's an experience of the, of the fight that that's spamming from the ramparts that you're just never going to never going to rival i think yeah, yeah i the the uh the you know your kind of build and, and character class and way you're rolling out changes the experience in in a lot of different ways not just those two so which is one of the things that keeps me coming back and you know doing kind of these different let's plays of dark souls because you give yourself different restrictions and uh you know it really so there, there's more than just, so I agree with you, but I, there's more than just kind of like a... Sure, sure. You know, yeah. yeah, there's lots of different... So, you know, going without a shield is very different. Like, even going with a bow and arrow is different than sorcery because it's slower and you can, you know, manually aim and it does less damage. Um, you know, the, there, there's a lot of different kind of, you know, doing a two-hand, like doing a parrying run. Like, I love that about these games is there are just so many different permutations on what each individual micro-encounter can be. Um, they're all very different experiences. I agree with you that sorcery ends up being kind of like the the easiest way to not get your hands dirty in it. And this uh, in Dark Souls, I found that the first half of the game was a breeze with that. The second half, I had a lot of difficulty with. Mm-hmm. In Demon Souls, I find more or less like sorcery kind of trivializes almost the whole game. Yeah, you know, not trivializes, but makes it very easy mm-hmm. um, almost the entire game. So. The uh, I would recommend if you if anyone who's listening to this who's only done kind of one playthrough, regardless of which one it is, try another one and you'll be kind of surprised at how it changes the experience. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if that if the sorcery melee kind of decision is is kind of the game's version of of giving you kind of a difficulty mode option kind of at the outset. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not it's not couched in that kind of language at all, but but I think it probably is is the closest. I mean, it, it only the difficulty still bruising, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, it, but yeah, yeah it, it's like you know, if if you want to soften it just that little bit, here's this option that that gives you that you know, that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I, de- I definitely think so. I feel that's how how I've always felt felt about that. Um, killing the the tower knight, um, you know, like again, no no mean feat um but killing him you know you get to go back you open up that art zone you get his soul which i ended up using for the uh like the great barrier spell the exact name i can't remember on my first playthrough and uh that's a real that's very useful um the kind of defensive spell you can get from him yeah that's what i ended up going with as well um although it was a little bit of a difficult decision um, yeah. What, what is the other thing you can do with it? There's another. Oh, you know what? I, I was thinking of something else. Uh, the the spell that you get is warding. Uh, uh, otherwise, you can chug it for uh, forty four hundred. Okay, so this is still when there's kind of sing- mono uses for yeah. for souls. They haven't introduced kind of. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, warding is good. Man, I'm really gonna miss having warding. <laughs> just thinking, thinking like I don't know how I'm gonna beat the man eater without warding, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, man eater, fucking man eater. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, that that is uh, that is one one and one two. Do we have any wrap up things to say about those areas before we kind of move on to admin stuff? I feel I feel like the the design of, of the Tower Knight there there aren't many moments in in the Souls games where I f- I feel like I can sense some sort of inspiration being drawn from another game. They seem to kind of you know, they really do seem to sort of exist in this kind of vacuum of um, I mean they're inspired by their own sort of from software's own sort of development lineage. But uh, with that one, I, it was the one time where I felt like Shadow of the Colossus. Kind of felt like an apparent influence. Um, I mean, even in the sort of steam escaping from from the ankles and and just and having that not just a colossal foe, but but one that you're going to bring kind of stumbling down to its uh, to its knees. And I mean, that's that's sort of a a design principle that you see in, in those early. Um, uh, Shadow of the Colossus fights. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, for sure. So I wonder. I mean, I haven't gotten to ask Miyazaki about it, but <laughs> but I, but I wonder if he was uh, if he would claim any sort of inspiration from from that game in particular, maybe. Yeah, this yeah. Game, that's, that's a really interesting idea. This game does scale so well, and it's awesome that you get to see that so early here. Yeah, and I would say, and that comes up. It, it happens early. It happens kind of again and again. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that. Um, I feel like it maybe does a little bit better than Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. That kind of sense of, specifically, I'm thinking of, um, you know, boss fights that range from, you know, uh, Maiden Astraea mm-hmm. to the Storm King. You know, like they're, the the yeah. the things you're going to be fighting as bosses really do kind of run that gamut. Um, there's a little bit of that to you know to Dark Souls. Like Sif, you know, Sif is definitely like a, a pretty imposing imposing figure but mm-hmm. i definitely maybe I, it, it might not be something i can fully articulate it might just be something i felt stronger with demon souls yeah um yeah it, it just the, the stuff in demon souls tends to be awe-inspiring in a way that in dark souls it's it tends to be a little bit more like textured and interesting and horrifying right yeah mm-hmm. so, yeah definitely maybe like the the sort of difference between a jump scare and like just attention building kind of approach to horror mm. like yeah. like demon souls really does kind of give you that just kind of bracing slap in the face mm-hmm. with the, uh, but yeah and even and the tower knight like he is i just i love how he that character is designed like a castle himself like <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like his you know that the shield is is just like this sort of impassable gate and then mm-hmm. and of course like instead of stone it's just every inch of him is just this ballast of of impregnable steel and uh yeah i just when i saw that saw his design i i had that same feeling that you mentioned gary about just there's there's no way there's no way to penetrate this you know facade yeah. there's no way to bring this this boss down like he's he, you've you've handed me an impossible obstacle yeah mm-hmm. th- this is the end of the game yeah, like the, yeah. This, this whole thing is like an, end, like an indie game. game that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> indie game that you can't beat. You, you have, and, to, and then, yeah, you have to burn the official. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then just on top of the the archers, which, like I said, I didn't realize that you could 
you know, go up and kill them, which is a real, real godsend mm-hmm. with that. I mean, just imagine, like, speedrunners do it without doing, without killing the archers, obviously. And that's really impressive to watch for me because there's the risk of getting stunlocked anytime when the stakes are that high. Yeah. Or just, uh, yikes. God, I can't yikes, imagine yikes. speed. I can't imagine speedrunning this game. It's interesting. It's, <laughs> it's fun to watch. Like, it's, it's pretty interesting to, to see because yeah. it, it definitely, articulates differently than than a dark Souls speed run yeah does hmm. so i wonder yeah, if aiden's ever done it like i wonder if uh uber goose has ever done a demon souls or given that a shot hmm. we can ask him I just, I just think it's fascinating about this area how how it just takes every single fantasy cliche <laughs> and and just serves it up so like you know it's a castle Drag castle dragons knights like it it hits the the biggest columns of you know the sort of the most obvious reference points of that kind of Tolkien esque sort of fantasy and um, and then it just uses kind of all of our assumptions about those that kind of setting um, and I think it's just this like perfect sucker punch <laughs> like just making you feel so comfortable with the kind of ideas like you assume you know so much about it just based on how obvious some of those signifiers are but then but then it just gets so subversive in the details and i think that's that's one of the things i, I love sort of about the opening of the game mm-hmm. uh, it's, it seems to play with that in a really intentional way kind of set you up uh, well, <laughs> yeah so especially like we're, we're talking about that uh you know i thought that i was on my way to go fight a dragon you know initially <laughs> And this, I was not expecting them to be like a at that you know at that point under I thought to be an insurmountable kind of just environmental hazard, you know because I was kind of couched in those fantasy cliches, um, and the game does that even when you're you know choosing your class like pre tutorial like all of the classes are fantasy cliches except perhaps like royal, um, and I think that's something that Dark Souls does you know initially with that character creation too and then kind of takes it in a totally different direction. I feel like this game kind of had to take take place first to establish like ease you into like yes this is a fantasy role-playing game and then kind of you know set you up with these elements and then kind of turns them on their ear to explain to you that it's not really what you should be expecting and then dark by dark souls that point has already been established and they can do really weird things with the setting right out of the bat yeah yeah definitely but they 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 deviate from it so quickly in demon souls as well like this is just uh you know easing you into it like you said yeah 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 you know yeah, when you see the fat officials, you know, there it's just such an immediate screeching kind of you know, left turn in terms of what you what you associate just as this weird smirking dancing sort of with mm-hmm. devices of torture on their belts like okay, you <laughs> all of a sudden you realize you you're definitely you're getting getting surprised you know with some stuff. I I want to mention this is unrelated. I just this popped into my head though just so nobody writes us any letters um uh br is in one two as well but mm-hmm. since you can't access him yet we're not yeah. going to talk about him yet um <laughs> since it's impossible to get to him mm-hmm. but i know we said we were kind of doing a location-based organizational structure but um we're going to talk about him and when we talk about one three yep so so cool. bjor fans <laughs> uh, yeah just uh, I, 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 love, I, love I love bjor too bjor um, <laughs> I, I liked his. I liked his. Uh, his first album. Yeah. Like, oh, it's so quiet, and then afterwards, you got a little pretentious for me. You wouldn't think a swan would be as protective as that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we, we both took very different routes to the same joke. Yep. Um, <laughs> um, so what, what are we talking about next week, Cole? Well, next week we're going to be talking about 2-1, which is the beginning of Stone Fang Tunnel. Yes. And our guest, I'm still lining that up. It'll mm-hmm. be in the extra episode. We'll, we'll announce that. I'm mm-hmm. just hammering down a date to be totally sure. Yeah. So um, I'm pretty sure I've got it. But I uh, just want to make sure it's totally, you know, absolutely correct before we go live with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, listen to the extra episode. We'll punch in a, a little thing announcing that. Um, yeah. So uh, just kind of by by way of uh, kind of plugs and everything, uh, Jason, let, what tell us again, what, where can people find you? What, what do you do? Uh, I'm the features editor for Edge Magazine. So uh, you can find us online at Edge uh, Dash online.com uh, or you know find a I guess they're in the US you have to look up to import copies of the print magazine at Barnes and Noble but it's a gorgeously produced magazine it yes. really is I think uh, one of one of the reasons you should not be wishing uh, print publishing uh, an early demise uh, it's it's a beautifully designed magazine and I can brag on that aspect of it because I don't I don't work on on that side so it's not too self-congratulatory but and uh yeah and then i uh i have a twitch channel at uh, twitch.tv slash whisking troll um which is an Um, anagram of my surname oh that's cool Billingsworth. so when uh when do we when what's the timeline on that on that series of books i mean I, that might be i don't i'm ignorant to that entire thing so if it's entirely uh, i'm like yeah it's, you know, it's it's next year next um, year okay yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully hopefully by summer but, but yeah it's, it'll it'll take a while there's a there's a lot to research as, as you know oh yeah yeah, yeah. i'm Stay in touch as that gets closer, and you know details are there, and you know we'll we'll spread the word uh, when people can and, start going and I'll after buy it. it. Oh yeah, of so, course. Yeah, spread <laughs> spread the word, and also I would like to read it. Yes. So <laughs> between those two things, yeah, um, yeah, yeah that I, would I, be great. I, mean, I, I feel I feel like the biggest fans of this series have have really congregated and like gotten rallied behind the the podcast too. So obviously, mm-hmm. those the people listening to this show are. I mean, if there is an audience that I'm writing for, it is is for the people <laughs> listening to this show who just love those games so much and 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 just love them the more they sort of ring them out for a, you know, for information and, and details and so it's it's the gift that you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, Unlike that tiny being's ring, yeah, <laughs> that's it, that, that just gives you ten once. Yeah, um, punishment the, being the thing that it gives. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> The uh, yeah we we just um just you know behind the scenes like we didn't know Jason was doing that book when we um, talked to him about being on the show and he just sent us an email so yeah uh, genuinely excited about that mm-hmm. the um yeah and then uh, you know Cole and I um, we do another show called Watch Out for Fireballs which is kind of a slightly zoomed out version of this where you uh, can discuss an entire game in an episode um, and primarily about old games um, so check that out on the network. Uh, Cole does a show with his brother called Those Damn Ross Kids, which is a comedy weird news program, mm-hmm. and a video game uh, kind of roundtable discussion show called The Level with yes. some friends of his and friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, we recently did, if you played the fantastic game Gone Home, play. if you if not, then please play the fantastic <laughs> game Gone Home. Yeah. If you have, uh, we recently did a, an episode of that with uh, Bob Mackey from Retronauts and Zach Johnson from Video Game Hot Dog. 
that turned out really well. Yeah. So that's available as you're listening to this. Just go check that out on duckfeed.tv. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary, in addition to doing the show um, and watch out for fireballs, we do a show called Abject Suffering Together, uh, oh, which yeah. is about bad old games um, as opposed to goodoldgames.com.gog. Um, and, uh, it's really funny. We would like you to pay attention to it if, uh, at all possible. They're short. They come out once every other week. And, uh, yeah, we think that it's really good work. Mm-hmm. Gary, um, uh, also does a show with his, uh, friend, his friend and my friend, uh, Brayden Cameron, uh, called mm-hmm. the pitch, which is about solutions for modern living. And then there's a new show coming to the network, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yes. As you're listening called pilot season, um, which has kind of a strange premise, which it might be better not to explain yeah. every, every episode of pilot. <laughs> Pilot season could be the first episode of a high concept other kind of podcast. <laughs> so every single episode is something totally different that my my challenge to myself is to have that be something that you could make a niche podcast about. <laughs> so it's not always going to be like a marketable one. It's not always <laughs> going to be something anyone would ever really want to listen to, but it is a new concept for each thing. Yeah. So do we want to, uh, give a pre- give a preview of what the first episode is going to be about? I'm going to listen to, I, I have to, I'm editing those today. Okay. I'm going to make the first episode, whichever one comes out best. Okay. Out of the two that we did, but Cole Cole is on episodes ones and one and three mm-hmm. of the show. Um, as well, Brayton. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the, I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. So definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, facebook.com slash bonfire side chat. And also, um, you know, it's back to school time. If you're going to be buying any school books, um, go to Amazon or go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar, use our Amazon link. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And that goes to supporting the network. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably about it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and if you have any, uh, responses, anything you want to say about two one, um, please go to duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Yes. And share responses. We will share them in the appendix episode, which, uh, yeah, will be out next week. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I'd like to say again, thank you so much, Jason, for joining us. Uh, thanks, man. I, I've been looking forward to this uh, for as long as this podcast has been going. I hope that <laughs> yeah. I have a chance to talk about Souls games. Oh, yeah. So, so happy to have you, man. Yes. Like, and, and it was in, and yeah, it, it was great. Mm-hmm. It's great, man. I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I wish you, you know, I wish we had we had done it done sooner. Yeah, with uh, with with Dark Souls. So I'm really, really happy to have you on. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate it. Well, when Dark Souls Two comes out, um, look me up for oh, sure. Yeah, no, no, no doubt at <laughs> all. Um, yeah. So until so, uh, until next time. Yeah. Um, which one did we decide on? I, I, it's a it's a mixture. So I'll say Umbasa. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and then Jason can say whatever he likes. Yes. The uh, so okay. <laughs> I'm not editing any not of this prepared. out. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we were not prepared. <laughs> we're still straightening it out. I, we've only done one of these. I can not yeah. muscle memory yet. Nope. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Until until next time. Umbasa. Uh, so the world may be mended. Might be mended. Shit. Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And we all pray that we will have far more soon. Man, I, I, I just, uh, mm, there's no praise the sun in this. Yeah, I know. Praise mm. the sun sounds so I, good, too. Yeah. I know. Maybe it's got to be something around the, um, so, so the world might be mended or, you know, that, that refrain that just the game keeps looping over and over. But you can't really, you can't really force. Yeah, like none, none of them. So the world might be mended is like it's a, 
you know, it, it seems like it should modify something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like men, and you can end by saying mend the world. It just yeah. yeah. Sounds, sounds so, so we you could say we could say Cole. You could be like so you know tune in next time or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then that so, is what, so the, so the world might be mended. Yeah. yeah. No, like the, hey, the, the only other thing that I could think of would be until next time and then say like one of the messages that can be dropped. And then the, the other person says, uh, so the world might be mended. And then we end with Umbasa together. Mm, like yeah. harmonizing? Umbasa. Yeah, no, no. Well, so it's so kind of like <laughs> I would say until next time, sticky white stuff ahead. So the world oh, might be, yeah. be, be amended. Mbasa. Sure. Yeah. If yeah. you want to come up with a like a, just I'm like not a saying list, it'd be yeah. sarcastic, but yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, there are a bunch of really good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did that. Like that's like ten minutes of work to pull those out. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's really yeah. nice. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. We can start. We'll start next time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And this will be in the post roll, so everybody knows the rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>